This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We are uh, sort of busy in a series this year. Uh, our theme for the year is uh, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Uh, what a privilege to be able to say in this time that God's kingdom is coming. And so as the church... Uh, the church uh, is not limited to <clears throat> whether we can meet in a building or not, or whether we sit in our car or not, you know. Most of the church today in the Middle East are uh, really under great persecution um, and still meeting and still connecting with God. And the church, the fastest growing church is the church in the Middle East uh, where persecution is, is really strong. And so uh, most of the letters, even in uh, the Bible written to churches were from Paul or Peter that were in prison or there were great persecution happening. And so uh, part of, of this life as a Christian, if you didn't know that, is that God is not interested in our comfort zone. <laughs> uh, Christianity is not about comfort or consumerism. Uh, Christianity is about the kingdom of God. And it's so exciting to see uh, people all over just saying yes to what God is calling them to do and yes to the, the fullness of the Lord in their lives and over their lives. And so, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so wonderful. So we're talking about a kingdom community, you know. Um, what does it mean to be in kingdom relationships and what does it mean to, to seek first the kingdom of God also together? Uh, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your small group, whether it's in church together for us as a group of believers. And um, we're going we're gonna to jump straight into it in First Peter 2, verse 4 to 10. It's a scripture that we read a lot. We're going to try to break up a little bit of those things. And, um, and this morning is going to be a bit of a tough one. It's almost like a bit of a wake-up call uh, for us as the church. Uh, because I think especially the church in the West, we've grown very passive We've grown very sort of like, oh, let's, let's see what's going to happen around us. Let's, let's wait for God to do something. But actually, God is waiting for us. We're not waiting for Him. God is waiting for a group of people that would say, yes, Lord, despite my circumstances, I'm going to cry out to you for my town, for my family, for my neighborhood, uh, for my workplace. And, um, and so Peter writes in the context of great persecution to the church, and he reminds them of who the church is. And uh, how God sees it and what the spiritual uh, sort of focus is. And so um, there's a guy called Tim Keller. He's a theologian. He writes this uh, or he tells the story of uh, a family member that they had. And this family member never used his seatbelt. So they were always like arguing a bit with him and saying, look, yeah, it's very important to use the seatbelt in your car. And... Um, and he just said, like, no, it's not really necessary to use a seatbelt. And I can't remember all the details of the story. But at a stage, they come to this family gathering. And then suddenly this guy, this family member that never wore a seatbelt, he's sort of like, everyone must wear their seatbelt. He, he, he promotes the seatbelt clan, you know. And then Tim goes to him and says to him, now, what happened? What, what made you change from not wearing your seatbelt to wearing your seatbelt? And then he said, no, he had a friend, and he went to visit this friend in the hospital. This friend was in a car accident, and he didn't wear his seatbelt, and he went through the front windscreen. And when he saw what happened to somebody that was not 
wearing his seatbelt, suddenly he realized he must wear his seatbelt. <laughs> and um, isn't that true for all of us in our spiritual lives? If we don't see something, and especially in this generation, if we don't see something, then we just like go through life passively. We just go on and on and on until God opens the eyes of our understanding. And we begin to realize like, wow, what is the value of community? What's the value of church? And I think um, for, for many of us in this time, <clears throat> we've realized the value of community, the value of coming together, the value or the just the blessing of being able to worship with other believers. So it's almost like there's a gratitude and there's like a realization like, wow, I can worship with other believers. And so here Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 10, he says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, so he's talking about Jesus, the precious stone. He's the cornerstone. You as the living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. So what he does is he sort of says the church, he looks at the church and he says, the church, these group of people, us sitting here today in our cars or listening in or streaming in, he says there are two things. He sees us as living stones, but he also sees us as a holy priesthood before God. And he says we're being built up a, a spiritual house. So, so the house here today is not a house made out of uh, bricks, you know? It's not, it's, not, it's not the physical house, there's a spiritual house. Even as we're sitting here and during the week as we're coming together, there's a spiritual house being built up. And we come to Christ because Christ is the cornerstone. The cornerstone wasn't necessarily the, the side of the building, it was actually the, the top part that held the whole building together. Now Jesus is the chief cornerstone, that's what it says. So when we come to Him, we must realize there's something that happens in our lives. We're talking about a kingdom community or kingdom-minded church. He says, you are a living stone. You are a holy priesthood and a living stone. And we're going to look at these two things. The living stone, the first part is, uh, it comes out of Isaiah 28 verse 16 that says, you know, uh, that Jesus is, there's these beautiful pictures of Jesus being the rock, Jesus being the cornerstone, he says, we, we can't do anything without first coming to him. We, we, this is not, church is not about a nice gathering. It's not about nice fellowship. It's about actually coming to Christ. It's about actually knowing the fullness of the gospel and meeting an intimate relationship with him. So church is nothing without simply the presence of God. The presence of God changes our lives. The encounter with God, that's why we come to church, because we come to meet with Him. He is the living stone. He is the precious one. He's the one we, we don't have any right or any, any legal place to be without first Him. And Jesus said it in Matthew 16, verse 18. He says, on this rock I will build my church. And He was not referring to Peter. He was referring to the revelation of who Christ is. He says, and then I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And what, you know, that nothing will come, the gates of Hades will not prevail against you because, Peter, you know who I am and you know what the church is about. He says, you know, because uh, Peter said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Peter, Jesus said to him, well, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. The revelation of Christ cannot be seen just through the natural or persuasion or even the greatest apologetics. It cannot change people's lives until you see. Remember the guy with the seatbelt? 
until you see, you know. So I made a statement here. It says, the believer is like a brick in the edifice or the wall of the church. And Christianity is community within the fellowship of the church. There is no thing like individualistic Christianity. Please get it out of your mind. Because the, 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 the whole world is drawing us to more individual, our own thing, isolation. But you cannot, Christianity, you cannot exist as a Christian in an individualistic society. You have to come into community because that's what the church is about. You, a living stone, a stone on its own. What can you do for a stone on, on its own? You can maybe use it as a destructive thing to throw a stone at somebody. There's a lot of things, you know, maybe you can use it to put your bridegrid on. But a stone on its own is not a building. It's just a pot like this beautiful building here. There's uh, so many stones. But can you see the stones? Yes, some of them, maybe. But when they're put together, they're being built up a spiritual house. Are, are you with me this morning? Okay, thank you for your enthusiasm, especially in front. But so, so turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a brick in God's wall and in the church's wall, okay? So some of you are going to enjoy this too much. Oh, brick, you're a brick. I knew you were a brick, you know? But it's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing, okay? <laughs> so some, some people are enjoying that too much, you know, especially the... <coughs> So what it says, the second thing is it says we are priests unto God. What is a priest? Is an authorized minister in sacred things, especially one who offers sacrifices at the altar and acts as mediator between men and God. You're a bridge builder, a worshiper, someone who brings an offering. So sometimes we forget what we do here on a Sunday morning or what you do in your quiet time with God is you are a bridge builder. You're somebody that's a priest before God. And so when you enter into the presence of God, you represent the people to God. It's not just you on your own. There's, a, there's something spiritual that happens. And that's why it says, hey, let's do spiritual sacrifices. And it says, yeah, the priest has access to God and brings others to God. You bring an offering. We, we become those living sacrifices in our hearts and our service unto God. It's, it's very spiritual. We offer up spiritual sacrifices. That's what this priestly order is about. That's what this life is about. So, so I want to encourage us as we become a living stone, as we become priests, you and I are called to do ministry. You and I are called to, to live in that space with the Lord. Are you guys all right in the sun here in front? We can, you can come and sit more to the front if you want to. Some are, some are tanning and others are trying to make it. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's so amazing when we understand that we have life and life in abundance, but I'm called to do ministry. I'm called to be a minister before God, then between man and God, and then to also represent God. And so, so those, those, that's so amazing. I spoke about it last Sunday evening. The ministry of the believer, and there are three things, is to worship God, to make intercession, to be a watchman, and to do witnessing. You cannot outsource these things to specialized people in the church. <laughs> That's what every believer does. It's like breathing. <laughs> if you don't do these things, you are not qualified or seen as a believer in Scripture. Sorry, it's maybe very hard. But if you don't worship God, not just by singing a couple of songs, but through your life, 
If you don't do intercession, stand in the gap and represent people before the throne room of God. And if you don't go from the throne room of God and witness and tell the world about who that God is that you met with, then you're not qualified as a Christian. You, it's not in the definition of Christianity. Sorry, you know, but what we do is we say, oh, that group of people, they are the super spiritual intercessors. Or what we do is we say, oh, no, 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 that worship band, they are the worshipers. Or no, 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 that ministry, they are the ones who share testimony. And they, they're the ones that are really like, you know, so we try to outsource the duties of the church. And it's not, it doesn't qualify. It's getting very quiet here, but thank you for at least one amen. Because it says there in Romans 12, it says, I beseech you, brethren, that you bring your bodies a living sacrifice to God. And so, so God is waiting for watchmen and watchwomen to rise up, you know. But it says there, if you go back to that first scripture, it says, You as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The question, and this is a tough question, is your life and my life acceptable to God? The way we live, the way we bring offering to Him. Is it acceptable? And that's probably the toughest question to ask. Lord, is my worship acceptable to you? Lord, is my witnessing acceptable to you? There's a guy who spoke to the young working um, group, and I'm not going to mention his name, but... Um, he said he was traveling overseas. He's a very well-known guy. And so, so he came back from doing a lot of stuff. And he was on a high. He was like, just like, whoa, you know. So he came back. And uh, the next morning, him and his wife had, um, had breakfast like they do every time when he travels overseas. And um, so in the first couple of sentences, um, when they sit down and eat breakfast, the wife, his wife says the following. says, you don't need to worry. Because I'm sticking it out with this marriage of ours. I'm in this for life. I'm, I'm not going to leave you. This is like, and so she, the wife just begins to talk like that, you know. And he thinks like their marriage is the best ever, you know. He thinks they're on the highest wave ever, you know. And here the wife comes and she shoots like a bazooka. <laughs> like an AK-47. He says like he shattered because he thought like, you know, isn't that with the men especially? We think like, oh, you know, I bought my wife roses three weeks ago, so it must, she must be feeling great, you know. And, 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 and he says she shoots him apart, and she says, I'm going to stick out in this marriage. I'm, gonna, I'm here for the long run. I don't know what your heart is about, you know. And he just thinks like they, it's just going crazy. It's just the mo most amazing marriage ever. Now, every, all the married people are quiet, and the wives are looking. <laughs> but um, why am I telling that story is because... We think sometimes our sacrifices and our offering is acceptable to God. But sometimes we must ask Him, Lord, are, are, you, are you okay with where my heart is at at the moment? Lord, are you okay with what's happening in my life, my spiritual life, my spiritual disciplines? Sure, it's getting very quiet this morning. But God will answer. Uh, and remember, he doesn't, he doesn't condemn. He doesn't say, oh, you. He doesn't accuse he always invites. He invites us to a place of, of abundant life. Great. Are you still with me? If the people in the sun, are you all right? Or do, don't you want to come and move into the shade a little bit? Some of you that are sitting in the shade, you can come and sit here. 
move it from the sun. So it goes on in 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 10. Therefore to you believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Maybe, or I'm, I don't mind, we are the church, so if you are a bit in the sun, take your chair and come and sit here in the shade. We don't mind even on the chair, on the, on the thing, because I don't want you to, like, some of you are, are out there. Just bring a chair, move it closer to, okay, let's have an ad break quickly. So if you just greet someone next to you, come bring the chairs closer, come and sit in the shade, if, you, if the shade bothers you a little bit, okay. Sure, now everyone is close, huh? Yeah, I just actually want to see people more closely so that I can um, preach at you. Okay, the tanners, are all the tanners all right, hey? All those who bought hats and all that stuff. Okay, great stuff. You know, it's it's um <coughs> it's quite a it's quite a challenging message because I think all of us we are sometimes feel condemned or accused, and and yet the, this is really where the Holy Spirit wants us to surrender is is in this place of worship, in this place of of bringing sacrifices to Him, because God will never ask us to do something that He doesn't do Himself. You know, Jesus is interceding for us all the time, twenty four seven, even when you sleep. <laughs> he's He's actively involved in our lives and the challenge for us is just simply you know is is sometimes sometimes we fall into self-pity sometimes we fall into this hole and we we sort of really feel bad and we think like oh i'm in this bad place but you know self-pity is is a form of pride you know false humility is a form of pride because we we start to we start to blame others instead of tr really trusting God for the position that we're in. And it's, it's a sin. Self-pity is a sin. Offense, to be offended is a sin before God because we harden our hearts while Jesus gave us all the forgiveness that we need. Sure. So he goes on and he says this in verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It's, it's a beautiful scripture, and I want to leave us with a couple of thoughts. He, he starts with saying, you are a chosen people. Isn't that amazing? God chose us. Because when we're chosen, it's because in Christ, there's the fullness of knowing God. We're the light of the world. He is the light of the world, and we can walk in that light. He says, well, we simply, we've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. If you're chosen by God, if God has made a choice over your life, it means that you're significant <laughs> to God. God has placed us as the church here in Stellenbosch to do something significant, not maybe successful. And that's why prayer and worship isn't a song. It's not something on the outside. It's simply some stuff that you're not, it's not seen <laughs> When you start to pray and intercede for other people, because that's not glorious ministries. When you're a watchman on the wall, because what did watchmen do? Watchmen would stand on the wall and then they would proclaim that the king is coming back when the king was going out on his war 
uh, excursions or he would go to visit other kingdoms. When the king would come back, that was the first thing that the, the watchman did is blow the trumpet and say, the king is coming. Are you ready for the king to come? So the whole city would prepare for the king to come. The second thing that the watchman did is they would always warn of danger. Say, the enemy is coming. We need to make ready. Lift up the gates, you know. <laughs> Close the gates. Um, so we're chosen by God because we're significant. We're chosen by God. And then it says, because you've obtained mercy, you understand the fear of God. And more than ever in the church in the West, we need to pray, Father, we want to know the fear of God. We want to know who you are so that we fear you more than what we fear the government or more than what we fear people. <laughs> yeah. If we don't have the fear of God, we will succumb to the greatest fears of any virus or the opinion of people or the intimidation of people. But when we are chosen people, we are different. We're living by a different standard. And we're chosen for privilege, the privilege of knowing God, of friendship. We're chosen to do, be obedient to His will. We're chosen for service. Sure. No, no, but I'm just a church goer, you know. I'm not so spiritual. No, if you're a Christian, you are spiritual. <laughs> if you're a Christian, you worship and you pray and you witness because that's what breathing is, you know. That's what defines Christianity. Isn't an event, isn't to say I've got an orange label, a shofar label, and therefore I'm a Christian. It's like sleeping in a garage doesn't make you a car, you know. A Christian is, that's who we are. We, we live in this fullness. We live in this space of knowing God, of being obedient to Him, of serving Him. The second thing he says in that last part of the Scripture is he says we are not just chosen, we're not just a chosen race, but we're a royal priesthood. We spoke about that. It, it defines it in the first couple of verses. A priesthood is somebody that comes into the presence of God and represents the people to God and then represents God to the people. It's a bridge builder, somebody that reconciles the world to a broken world to a perfect God. Then he says we are a holy nation. We're different. We di that's what holiness means, to be separate, to be dedicated to God's will and service, to be set apart, to not be like the world. You know, I was um, talking to a guy that, that's in Cape Town in this, or let me rather use another place, but um, let me rather use another story. Um, oh, so we went to America, and uh, we came to this massive big church. Uh, when I traveled with um, Angus, and I was, <coughs> I was, I was so challenged by going to this one church because it's massive. They have like six services, ten thousand people in one service, massive, you know. And um, and I walked out there, and I realized, like, wow, people feel so welcome. The only problem is, God doesn't, because everything in the church was built around making people f welcome. <laughs> It looked just like a worldly party. <laughs> it looked like a, another rave. You know, it was so funny. One of the first years that came on the first year's camp, he thought it was a three-day rave party, you know, until the first evening of worship. You should have seen his reaction. But it's just cool. He came even to the social a little bit later, you know, <laughs> because it's amazing when people see life. But sometimes we think church is a rave party because we try to be cool. But church is a holy priesthood. It's a uh, living stones being built up into the house of God. And yes, there are many definitions of church. There are many expressions of church. But, you know, the other day I was fighting, not fighting or just like 
conflicting with um, one person that says, no, 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 he doesn't come to church because church is an institution. It's just big. And he rather is like he's got four friends and they just stay at home all the time. I said to him, well, that's, that's a Christian gathering, but it's not church. Because where's the elders of that group? Where's the fivefold ministry ministering to grow up this house? You know, because church is really clear. You know, that's why I believe the local church is the answer for the world. The local church is the answer to reach the community that that church has been planted in. And there are beautiful local churches here in Stellenbosch. But there's also lots of Christian ministries in Stellenbosch. And they're doing great work. But they like the people that bring the water truck and park it outside of the house. So I always challenge people, and, and this is some of just a side rabbit trail a little bit. Never commit yourself to a ministry or to teaching or people that run a parrot church organization or a parrot church teaching, but they're not themselves submitted to a local church. That's the answer. Are they accountable? Are they being built up in their relationships in that local church? That's the first question. If you see this beautiful internet ministry, then just ask the person, what do you feel about the local church? Who are the elders that look at your life and who are the people that oversee your life and who are the people that you submit to in the fear of the Lord? Because especially, you know, I think we've all been hit by what happened to Umravi Zacharias. Yeah? It's a challenging thing, but it's also a wake-up call for the Christians in the world. Stop having superheroes. <laughs> Stop running after big ministries. Stop listening to internet stuff and you don't know the fruit of people. I think we've all been disappointed and hurt. And that's why God calls us more and more back to the local church, back to relationships of people that you can walk a road with and that can speak into your life. And so there's beautiful prayer ministries and beautiful deliverance ministries, but they're all being run outside of the local church. Just ask those leaders, are you submitted in a local church somewhere? Are you serving somewhere? And then the last one, this is where I want to sort of, um, sort of want to stop at, <clears throat> is it says, a people for God to possess. So we're chosen by God. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. But we're a people for God to possess. Wow. If you go today to Europe and you go into the big archives and you go to, to, um, to watch, you know, some, some of the places, say, you know, you can, you can have an ordinary teaspoon in your cupboard, okay? But we go to Europe and we go to other places and then there's in this cupboard, there's a teaspoon because Winston Churchill used that teaspoon. It's still a teaspoon. But why do we go like, wow, Sir Winston Churchill touched this teaspoon. We go like, wow, this is, this is this great hero. This is this amazing person that possessed this teaspoon. It's still a teaspoon. It does exactly the same thing until the one who uses it adds value to that teaspoon. And so that's the beauty of church and the beauty of your and my life is when we give our lives to Christ to be used in His service we get value. We get eternal value. Some, sometimes then it's not just a normal teaspoon anymore. It's 
because the king of kings and the lords of, of lords have possessed this teaspoon, this life, for his glory and for his use. Suddenly there's value to it. Not because of the teaspoon, but because of the person who is using this teaspoon. And that is what he says. He says, God wants to possess your life. He wants to be Lord of the church, and he wants to be the owner and the master of the church. And that's such a beautiful picture. And the question is, are you and I willing to be used by God in this time? Because he's going to place value on your life. Then it doesn't matter what you actually do, whether you're a CEO of a company or whether you're a toilet cleaner. I remember one day walking into this big Christian festival place, and there was a lady uh, cleaning the toilet, and she was worshiping her heart out while she was cleaning the toilet. And I was just standing outside, and I started to weep because I realized, like, Lord, she is really cleaning this for you. She's cleaning other people's dirt for you. <laughs> And she sees that even a work as worship unto you. Because suddenly, my work is a, is a place where I can be used by God. Suddenly, it doesn't matter what I do. Because my identity is because I'm in, in His hands. My identity is because He's taken possession of my life. And therefore, everything belongs to Him. So I don't complain about my work. I don't complain about my fridge that doesn't work because even if I have a fridge, I'm a one of the top 1% of the world today. Suddenly I become thankful. Why? Because I can be used by God in a place. You know, as I'm driving this week, and Rainier, you can come up so long. Oh, you are here already. Hi, it's great to be in unity. But um, so as I was on a rush and uh, in a rush, and so there's a, there's a place close to the office where I would normally eat, and, and so... So I got to know a couple of these guys working there. And one of them actually came to salvation and came to church. And the other guy resisted coming to church, you know. He's a bit into the old apostolic movement and all of that stuff. But so I was praying, Lord, give me opportunities to minister to this guy. So I was just, it's now three years almost, just loving this guy and all this stuff. And so as I'm driving back there to Park side, uh, when was it? Uh, Friday? No, no. Thursday, maybe. Yeah, it was Thursday evening. Yeah, this guy and one of his buddies are standing next to the road. They're hiking. They live here in Kyle Moore. And so, um, so I was praying for him for a long time. I just said, God, I want to be a tool in your hand. doesn't matter where I am. Not because I have a pastor title or I should do it. Because that's just what Christians do. We minister. We love other people. And so, so I stopped with that clean uh, church, Bucky, and they're two quite big guys. So I said, no, climb in. So they were sitting off. They squashed me. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't properly fit the gears, but here we go. And, so, and they said, no, okay, are you going to go to the Indrach Circle or else work the drop? I said, no, I'm going to take you home. I'm going to take you to Kalmore. So, wow, wow, you know. And so now we're driving here over the pass, and they're taking out their phones. But these guys are really, they don't know the law. They're just partying. They're quite rough, two guys. So now they're taking the phones, they're taking like a video to show their friends, you know. Now they just pastor me before and be after, you know, and all the pastor, pastor, you know. And so they just want to show their, their friends. So eventually I drop the one in, in Knil and the other one I go to Calmore. They're into his house at the back. And so he's living with his girlfriend and he made her pregnant. They've got a child now. And so as we're driving, this guy just begins to open up. Because I just said, Lord, let your presence be with me wherever I go. This guy begins to tell me how he was in prison, how he killed people, all of that stuff. But now I, I say, okay, I can drop you. He says, no, 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 
pastor now. I'm someone his pastor, you know. I'm, I'm his big pastor. I must, I must go home because he wants to show his child to me, you know. So we stopped there in the Gebundus there at the back, and we just like, so I get out. Now I'm terribly late already, you know, uh, but I just decided, well, let's go for it, you know. And so here I hold his child and bless him. I said, okay, when are you going to get married? No, soon, soon, you know, and all that stuff, you know. And, um, and it's so beautiful not to condemn people, but to actually just bring the presence of God into people's lives. Because if you're a worshiper, if you're an intercessor, if you're a, a witness for Christ, then you are the light. Then people come to the light because Christ is in us. That's what Christians do. <laughs> and, and, and like I said, we can't outsource those things. Why? Because I'm in service of God. And, and we forget that. We forget that because we get so distracted. We get so consumed by our own circumstances. And this morning is, a, is again a bit of a wake-up call and say, hey, what are your spiritual sacrifices that you're bringing to God? I'm not saying do more for God. I'm just saying what is your worship like? What is your intercession in your quiet time like? Are you willing to wake up in the middle of the night and pray for your friends and pray for those who are in trouble? Are you, are you willing to be a witness for Christ? Because more than ever, the church in the West, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I want to um, thank you for that hoot. Maybe it's a child hooting. I don't know, but hallelujah. At least the children will praise. I mean. I want to I want to end off with uh, with the story that really challenged me, um, sort of that happened on our farm a couple of years ago, and so we um, we all know there was a big fire that went over this mountain, and so one day on our farm there was this piece of land on top of the hill, um, and my my parents are much into flowers and. They know all the names. They're part of the botanical society and all that stuff. And, you know, all, the, all these, they know all the names, all the Latin names. We would go, no, go on a hike many times, and then they will say, look, this is a plantimus. This is a buempimus. This is a green moose." you know. We just, everything had a moose or isi at the back, you know. So we would always joke about how deep these words were. And so... Um, so a fire came over the top part of our farm and almost destroyed the whole farm. And we prayed and all this stuff and God did a miracle. But there was this one piece of field that these special flowers was in that was burned to the ground. So, um, so it was, we came there and it was just, it was literally everything to the ground was burnt. You, you, you could really not think that something could still be in the ground or still live after that. But there was really no green stuff, no flowers, no plants on it anymore, just black. And then <clears throat> the next year, we had quite good rain, and the rain started to fall on the ground. And then suddenly, this specific seed that was in the ground, it sort of was the first time in 70 years that this specific plant had the perfect condition to come up and to grow. For s in 70 years, seven decades later, that seed was still in the ground. And it was just amazing because this specific thing was like everybody oohed and awed all across the world. They even had a, a video people coming out to come and check this specific thing because they thought this type of plant was extinct. And I thought like, wow, what a... What an amazing thing sometimes that even for us as the church or 
Maybe in your spiritual life, maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you feel like everything is burnt down. Nothing can grow into this situation anymore. But when God sends His rain, when God speaks something over your life, it doesn't matter. There's seed there. <laughs> it will come up because God is no man's liar. He's no man's debtor. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.